Welcome to I'm With Her, where we believe that the power of sharing stories can help change the world. This podcast is designed to give you a sneaky peek at the wild and wonderful conversations women actually have with each other behind closed doors, except we're doing it, well, we're broadcasting it on a mic to the world. You are joined today, as always, by your hosts, Izzy and Cal. (laughs) That's Kaylee. So I'm Izzy. (laughs) And I'm Cal Kaylee. So Izzy and I just want to kick off this episode by saying happy Pride Month. So whether you're a member of the community or you're just an ally, we all just want to live in a world where people can love whoever the fuck they want without fear or persecution. Yay! So yeah, so I guess for me, you know, Pride Month is a time to celebrate the strides that have been made towards equality, of course, while also acknowledging how far there is to go. It's also a time, I think, to honour members of the community who've been lost to hate crimes or HIV and AIDS and recognise the impact that lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender individuals have had across history, which is pretty fucking significant since LGBTQ plus people have existed since the dawn of time. In the spirit of Pride, we want to play a small part in elevating the voices of the LGBTQIA plus community. And so we're sharing lots of re- recommendations of things to read, watch and listen by the community on our Facebook page and Instagram pages. So if you want to get involved, show your support or learn how to be an ally, I re- recommend taking a peek. So in this episode, we're making consent sexy, we're setting fire to bras, mostly figuratively, but perhaps literally too, and we're getting toxic shocks from femininity gone bad. Yes. And of course, there's another Confess Thursdays, and I don't know how we're going to top last week's episode, Shock Reveal, (laughs) but uh, talking of Kaylee, I still still actually have to think about it, like I have to retrain my (laughs) brain. How have you been this week? Tell me everything. Oh, well, do you know what? It's, I've had a lot of emotions, a lot of high emotions this week. But actually, when I kind of step back from it, it's been a really kind of quietly uplifting week. Um, so the first thing, and I think the most exciting thing, is this weekend I went to do a soul food cooking lesson with the Mama Cherry. I don't know, for those of you who might have seen Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, she is notable for the fact that she is the only person that A, Gordon Ramsay has ever liked, and B, (laughs) he actually loved her food. Mama Cherry's Soul Food Shack was my haven when I was a student. So I used to ditch all the other guys that were on my course because I didn't want to share the secret of Mama Cherry's (laughs) Soul Food Shack. Um, I dream, I dream about this fried chicken. So when I found out that Mama Cherry's is now offering a bespoke one-on-one cooking session with the mama at her Uh home... I'm all over that. I know, at her home, so you get to go to her home as well. She's just this powerhouse. She was just incredible, you know, so open, so kind. You know, so all I would say is that if you're in Brighton uh, or around Brighton and you want to go and learn how to cook proper soul food, book it, Airbnb experiences. If you are not in Brighton or around Brighton, then make whatever necessary arrangements you need to do to get here (laughs) because you need to go and do this with Mama Cherry. It was literally one of the top five best days of my life. Well, that sounds like a hell of a positive thing in your week. It was amazing. It was a really, really wonderful thing. Um, So that was that was great. Um, And then yesterday uh, we kind of had a bit of a bittersweet day. We um, Went to say goodbye to our dog, Mr. Bones. We went on a little memorial walk. We lost him a few weeks ago and we've sort of just managed to get up 
uh, I don't know, get, get ourselves ready to be able to go and sort of say goodbye to him. So what we did is we went to the meadow that we used to, we used to live backing onto a beautiful meadow. Um, and so we, we took our, our other dog, Charlie, down there and we went on a little walk to where Mr Bones used to play when he was a puppy. Um, and of course, Charlie immediately threw himself in the river, got covered in mud. Um, you know, the kids were running around a grass where you couldn't even see the tops of their heads. It was a beautiful sunny day. Wow. It was just, it was just one of those perfect afternoons. And even though it was sad, it felt very it felt very cathartic so you know goodbye to mr bones and thank you for 15 Aww. wonderful years uh and oh, then I, and i won't touch on it for very long but i also want to say how overwhelmed and touched i've been um by the messages that um you have sent me and sent izzy um and posted publicly and posted privately uh, after we aired our last I'm with who um, with me uh, last week mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just so honoured I'm so honoured that you've chosen to share your stories with me and I just want you to know that Izzy and I are always around and we are supporting you so you know don't please don't feel like because the episode has now aired you don't you can't get in touch with us you know we want to hear from oh, you yeah. if you want to talk uh, and thank you so much for your kindness thank you right I'm done Absolutely. Izzy how about you <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so um, we are out of lockdown. Um, So that's good. Um, As I said before, I didn't handle it very well (laughs) coming out of it. I also haven't handled very well. I went back straight to that avoidant behavior of now just being really anxious about going out. Yeah. And finding socializing really difficult. And although sitting at home is boring and I'm uninspired, the idea of going out film feels too overwhelming yeah. I don't know it's weird I thought I'd taken a huge step forward with my mental health but um yeah it's just got too much over the last couple of weeks so it's just interesting to be back here but I do feel more resilient than previously because I know that it finishes it ends yeah. and it's not all just like a big down I can definitely um have highs in between as well so I've just got to ride the wave and things will be fine they always are. <laughs> Be kind to yourself, I so, think, is the most important thing here. It's like, yeah. you know, so many people have been going through this during during lockdown and the pandemic. Yeah, and it really annoys me that the things that I need to do for self-care to stop me from spiralling are all the things people told me to do for years, like <laughs> exercise, don't drink, don't eat loads of sugar, Get eat well. And I hate it. Yeah. yeah, I hate it so much. I just want to... S- I just want to smoke and drink and eat sugar <laughs> and order takeaway. Um, but I know that I just, I can't do that. It's so frustrating that everybody was right. But well, anyway, how about a treat <laughs> at yourself least I day. Have... Treat yourself day where you do all those things, but just for 24 hours, like a hedonistic yeah. day. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, That's a great idea. I might just do that. Well, I kind of did do that the other day. I actually um, had a big teary day. And so I just decided to put, my phone on airplane mode and just like watch tv um and i put notting hill on notting hill old classic notting hill with julia roberts and hugh grant i gotta say hugh grant is so good at playing hugh grant yeah no one else is playing playing himself doesn't he in films (laughs) he really he really does he really does um and i actually really enjoyed the movie yeah and I'm kind of, I mean, I'm sure there's people rolling their eyes out there because, yes, it's very incredibly white. Like, it's so white. And, you know, no one in the world can afford to work in a dying bookshop and live on Notting Hill and all that. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, 
uh, I actually didn't sit there thinking, oh, well, this is shit or that's sexist or I didn't realize how problematic that was, which is what I do now. Like ever since I started reading a lot of feminist literature and kind of going on my journey of like understanding what misogyny means and understanding what the patriarchy is and all that kind of stuff. Like it's made me realize where all my shame comes from, my worries, my insecurities and like throughout that whole process it's so powerful but it ruins all the movies yeah, 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 all of the movies stuff. and all of the shows <laughs> so all of those safe nostalgic places that you thought you have to go you go back there on times where you're feeling low and you realize how shit and problematic they yeah, are right <laughs> how homophobic and sexist and racist they are yeah. and then you're just like well now i don't know what to do <laughs> so anyway i'd be interested to see what other people think about Notting Hill and if I am right or if I'm still wearing rose-tinted glasses. But also, if people can come into the group and give me other old classic movies that they still think are pretty good to watch, I would love that because I would like to have a backup list of safe, happy movies to go to. Oh, that's a really great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy (laughs) movies, that's what we want. Izzy, I want to talk about toxic femininity. So I guess my first question is, is it even a thing, right? I'm familiar with the idea of toxic masculinity. So is toxic femininity just this sort of feminine equivalent? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, okay, we've all heard of toxic masculinity, but I just want to clarify the definition here, as I think it's been misconstrued that toxic masculinity is saying that being masculine is toxic. Mm -hmm. This is not true. Toxic masculinity are exaggerated traits and behaviours that tend to perpetuate domination, homophobia, and aggression. And it's these negative traits that expect men not to show emotion or vulnerability, and they can be extremely harmful to the mental health of men. And that is the toxic bit. It's not about saying that men are toxic. It's supposed to be in support of men and the strict constraints of which they can live by from societal pressures of what masculine is supposed to look like. Okay. You know, it is believed that not being able to talk about their emotions is one of the causes of such high suicide rate in men. In Australia, seven men a day die by a suicide. It's too many. So, yes, all the men out there, uh, 1% of listeners, we, <laughs> yeah. we really favorites. love... Yeah, <laughs> we love you, so please do cry all you like, because we are here for you too. I think these toxic ideas about what a real man does is just so harmful. And I mean that literally, they are actually harming men's health. You know, looking at obviously the suicide stuff that you've just talked about, this goes, you know, far wider than that. A 2011 study found that men who held the strongest beliefs about their masculinity were only half as likely as men with these more moderate beliefs about masculinity to get preventative health care. So I think the idea is here that, you know, seeing a physician for an annual physical, for example, runs contrary to some men's beliefs about you know the fact that they're tough or that they don't need medical attention they don't need doctors and then underpinning that there was another study in 2007 that found that more men conform to masculine norms the more likely they are to engage in these incredibly risky behaviors like heavy drinking using tobacco basically my saturday night (laughs) eating junk food rather than vegetables and whole grains they're basically shit diets taking risks with their health taking risks with their driving and you know doing all of these kind of risk-taking behaviors and of course they're also more likely to view these risky choices as normal it is putting our men at risk and we need to address the fact that this toxic masculinity as you say is not a criticism of men it's a criticism of the environment where we're teaching men that they have to behave in a certain way in order to be considered masculine and it's killing our men 
So now, now we've cleaned that up. Let's just try and unpack what toxic femininity is. So from my research, there are sort of three main threads where toxic femininity can appear in our lives. Um, the three that I'm going to use, I actually going to borrow from the quickie, which is my sort of daily podcast that I go to. And they just did a recent, um, like 15 minute deep dive into this issue. The first one is that women from birth are conditioned to see other women as competition. So that in order to be seen by men, we actually tear each other down to be considered successful. So a woman's response to the need to prove herself over the male peers is to resent the women around her, even though we're all facing sort of the same hurdles. So that's the first one. Okay. So. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I listened to this podcast and felt like so much of it sounded really highly problematic to me. So let's just Mm. unpack each of them. We've all experienced feeling like we're pitted against each other, but I really find it difficult to stomach an idea that women are being put on this planet to fight for the attention of men. It simply isn't true. Mm. And it's maybe what some men think, but women have a lot more to do than spend their lives looking for male approval and worrying about how attractive we are. I do get the women are pitted against each other. We do see women as competition, but that's often because the reality is that there is only one seat at the table for women. And so the competition is actually real life issues that we're dealing with, not one that we're creating ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so a really I don't think point. putting this out into the world is helpful. Like not to mention what about femme lesbians. So toxic masculinity is also seen in the gay scene. Femme phobia is yeah. a thing. And it's often why drag queens feel left out of the gay scene because they're actually acting femme, which isn't masculine. But this distinction of toxic femininity is purely about women impressing men. It's it's just so simple and so not relevant to so many people. I don't think that it can be used as a blanket statement for femininity. No, absolutely agree. Right, busted that one. No. (laughs) Rip apart number two. (laughs) Um, So the second one perpetuating the myth that women need to be meek and mild. So being feminine means being less than in order to be considered womanly. That sort of behavior can then lead into ignoring your own needs their own to their own detriment and encourages the acceptance of violence towards women as part of the female experience. So this is sort of a form okay. of internalized misogyny. Okay, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> is this rearing this up here? This pisses me off. <laughs> Women can be meek and mild if they want to without being fucking abused. Doesn't mean that they are perpetuating domestic violence. The abusers are perpetuating domestic violence through toxic masculinity. This is... It's almost victim it's blaming, victim isn't it? Blaming. It's just going back to the same thing again. It's somehow still women's yeah, fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's, it's just not feminist at all. Uh, it's so... Just feels so archaic to me. And this... Mm-hmm. This point was also saying that it's women that tend to others often to the detriment of their own health so that's generally a man or a child um or parents aging parents that sort of thing that seems to be more more common yeah exactly right but we know that women still carry most of unpaid labor like in a Mm -hmm. report by oxfam the institute of women's policy research women do two more hours of housework a day than men fucking hell if i was ever with a guy that thought my role 
was to do the housework chores, he would be marched out of that fucking door. Yes. Do you know, this is one that really bothers me, and I say this as a long-term married woman. The expectation (laughs) is that I will take care of, for example, birthday cards for his side of the family. I really, I find that really frustrating because I am much less organised, I'm much less clean than my partner is. There's another point that someone, that I was reading that someone was saying, um, what about the women who say that they have to go home to do family pressures when they don't actually have family pressures? Or if they lie, they lie about having their period... Okay, well, so first have to of do... all, I have to question, how would somebody else know whether or not they're telling the truth? Because that would only take self-identification. That person would have to be like, I'm actually pretending that I'm going home, which, of course, most people <laughs> don't do. So, so it almost feels like we're going back to this trope of women inevitably lie, that they inevitably manipulate people. And yes. I have literally never heard that. I've heard as many men as women have to leave the office because they've got something that they need to go to, whether that's a sporting engagement, whether that's you know a, a, a medical appointment, whether that's something to do with family it's never once occurred to me to assume that they're lying about it no no and we should stop doing this like I really stop thinking that women are lying about shit like it really pisses me off because like all the statistics all the research all the information out there shows that actually generally women are leaving to do the house chores yeah like even if even if you wanted to bring it back to that yeah (laughs) and then the third one is how women could use uniquely feminine experiences as an excuse to treat people poorly. So, for example, abusing somebody and then blaming it on PMS. This makes me so uncomfortable because we do not create environments in which women can thrive. Still, mm. where, women's, like, where women's PMS systems are underplayed, women, most women feel like a doctor hasn't taken them seriously before in regards to their pain. And that creates really complicated relationships with ourselves. We are excluded from medical research because apparently we're unpredictable due to our cycles. <laughs> uh, the reality is that men are more unpredictable than women, but don't get me started on that. But this means that we're giving medication that's been designed and tested on men most of the time. Men are the norm and women are seen as the variation of that. And it's so old school and inaccurate and harmful. Like... Science Daily reported that in 2021 that women's pain was not taken as seriously as men's pain still. Mm-hmm. And a new study suggests that when men and women express the same amount of pain, women's pain is considered less intense based on gender stereotypes. It's all in your head, ladies. It's all in your head. Exactly. And pushing that narrative that women blame bad behavior on PMS systems is dangerous. It's inaccurate and it's misogynistic. It really, really fires me up. So, no, this is not a thing. stop pushing this one and if women are struggling with really bad pms symptoms let's just give them a bit of a fucking break instead of calling them toxic or assuming that they're lying shall we yes i i fully agree i couldn't agree more so i guess kind of having heard a little bit about what what the definition is or what the definitions are that are kind of bandying around about what toxic femininity actually is i think i reject a lot of the ideas around it and I want to caveat this with the fact that I think a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, these kind of shitty behaviours, is non-gender specific, occasionally understandable human shittiness. A lot of the time, some people are just not nice people. Some people are a bit, you know, will step over somebody else or, or will be manipulative or will be vain or will lie. That's not an inherently gendered thing. That's human beings are complex and sometimes quite shitty, right? So I think a lot of this is actually less about the gender and more about the fact that some people are just arseholes sometimes. That said, 
Including that no, people aren't assholes all the time. So you can have good people can be assholes yes, sometimes we all go through on cycles. a bad day. Like I was an asshole the other day, but today I'm lovely. Yes, so. you are delightful today. So thank you for <laughs> giving me your good day. Um, you know, so I guess in terms of the kind of the idea of, you know, does toxic femininity exist? You know, is it an equivalent to toxic masculinity? I'm going to go, I'm going to go to science. And what we know from science, from Newton, thank you, Newton, is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So if toxic masculinity exists, then toxic femininity also must exist, right? And it must be equally toxic. I guess my argument here is social conditioning means that feminine traits are considered to be more passive. They're seen as more passive in their expression than masculine traits. So could it be that maybe we don't see the effects of toxic femininity? Look, Izzy, the fact is that we all express masculine and feminine traits, right? That's what we're talking about here is that sometimes we can be more aggressive. Sometimes we can be more passive. That's not a definition of who we are as people. We just all have light and dark, highs and lows. So surely if we all have these kind of masculine and feminine traits, this means that we can all express toxic versions of those masculine or feminine traits at certain times. So perhaps if we're highlighting one and we're talking about toxic masculinity, which is really important that we do, but we don't talk about toxic femininity and we don't accept that this is perhaps a thing, do we run the risk of maybe A, kind of alienating men, putting them on the defensive because we're talking about toxic masculinity, we want them to approach it, we want them to acknowledge it, but if women aren't maybe looking at looking in their own houses and looking at where those toxic traits can be affecting not just women themselves, but the way that we perhaps treat men, does it do a disservice? Does it do a disservice to women? Because if we think about it, when we identify the issue with toxic masculinity, we are doing that in order to protect and enhance men's experience, their mental and physical health. So if we recognise that toxic femininity exists and we recognise that it is toxic to women, we can help. We can make sure that women get better support, that they are able to speak up, that they don't need to feel that they need to be meek and mild. They don't need to feel that they're in competition with other women. It could be a really good thing. I guess my problem is, and I'm arguing all of this because I'm playing devil's advocate, but I find it really hard to think of feminine traits as toxic. And I think for me, because throughout my life, it has been girls and women who have been the most powerful influences on me. They have provided the greatest comfort and the best guidance. And I am constantly struck over and over again by how kind and compassionate women can be and have been at various points in my life. And that's, you know, that's friends, that's family, that's colleagues, that's schoolmates and strangers. Um, we hear about all the bad ones. And oh, then yeah. we also take the normal ones and demonise them in yeah, the media 100%. and make them bad. Because yeah. we, have, we have one rule for guys and one rule for girls. And women held at a higher standard. You know, and this is this whole, you know, and I'm sure you will have heard a variation on this, the kind of Madonna and the whore idea that you either have to be kind of this perfect symbol of purity and, you know, kindness and goodness, or you're a slutty McSlut face. And it's kind of like there's nothing in between those two things. And it's like women are... Slutty McSlut face. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So my bumper sticker. Um, You know, I'm not suggesting that women are some kind of like perfect perfect group it's 50 over 50 percent of the world's population of course they're never going to be perfectly anything they're never going to be perfectly kind or compassionate or nurturing or gentle that's crazy but let's also not pretend that women are inherently fighting for men's approval that they're vain that they're weak or manipulative either we are 
diverse, multi-layered, complex human beings just like men. So I'm going to bring in the hashtag, not all women. <laughs> I'm going to add in a round of an applause sound effect there. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to say not all women and now's my I chance. Agree. <laughs> and also, like, it just seems like we're trying to fit women into a, a box and parameters which oh. we are clearly not fitting into and so why don't we change the parameters not the women like that seems crazy to me also though while you were talking about that I was just thinking like maybe also being devil's advocate do I not value masculine traits as much as I value feminine traits oh that's interesting uh, because it's not what I've needed in the way that I've lived as much. I guess, what what do you consider to be, what do you consider personally to be masculine and feminine traits? What do you see as being a masculine trait, for example? Well, that's the thing. I find it really uncomfortable dictating that because it's absolutely nothing to do with me yeah. how a man presents himself into the world. And, but I would say like, you know, following, uh, traditional ideals like people that make you feel safe yeah like but then we have we realize that men haven't made us feel safe we yes don't i mean feel women are kind of men. most at danger from men what would you say masculine traits would be well i suppose the way that we as a society would view masculine traits i think we see those as being kind of we we do we consider aggression to be a masculine trait so we we don't consider that to be a particularly feminine trait and i say that you know anger for example and an outward expression of anger is considered to be more masculine i think than feminine which is interesting because i I think I exhibit as many masculine traits as feminine, if not more so. And I have always struggled with that throughout my life because it has been used as a stick to beat me. And, you know, I, and I was mm. very much and uh, roundly described by everybody, including myself, uh, you know, up into my late teens as a tomboy. That was absolutely what I was, you know. Um, and in fact, I, um, I did spend quite a lot of my youth um, very much wanting to be a boy, very much wanting to be a boy. I had a, a, a persona of a young man called Chris um I would dress as a guy um I had very short hair uh I I hated the role that I thought I had to fit into as a girl I didn't feel that that suited who I was as a person I didn't think that that suited my temperament and actually I think that's what this is all really about is its temperament I can have and I'm very ashamed to say so I can have quite explosive rage I can have quite big tempers I could you know I for example when I'm frustrated I might punch a wall because actually I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to hurt anybody else I would never want to do that I wouldn't use my aggression in that way but actually I sometimes need to get my aggression and the idea that you know I skitter away and you know have a little cry and all that kind of thing no I'm going to be punching a wall I'm going to be swearing I'm going to be shouting I'm going to raise my voice because that's how I express myself um so yeah yeah, it is hard because I don't I think there are just traits and I think everybody has them in different levels and I totally agree and that's what makes me sad that we're seeing like these negative traits you know we're looking at women and empathy and nurturing and all that kind of stuff might be feminine traits and we're looking at men as in aggression and like it's sad that all the bad ones have been linked up to them do you know what I mean I think that the examples that were given before they are realistic examples of things that happen in life sometimes but I really do not think that that it is a huge overarching issue that all women are experiencing in the numbers of 
how men are experiencing toxic masculinity. Yeah. I just can't see it. And actually, you know, I think the, the, the danger of toxic masculinity, the danger of kind of allowing, um, you know, a particular gender to, to feel like, you know, anger, rage, ignoring their own health, ignoring their own mental health, all of these things are what it means to be a real man. The knock-on effect of that is, of course, men's mental and physical health, as we've talked about, and I think it would be very dangerous for us not to mention here that, of course, one of the biggest dangers from toxic masculinity is to women and to people who identify yeah. as women. Because yeah. obviously the inevitable end of this is the, the rates of violence, male violence against women, the rates of domestic violence against women, sexual assault, yeah. rape. This is all the same thing. This idea that aggression, that dominance, these are all inherently masculine traits. And if a man is not doing these things, that they are not a man. That is, of yeah. course, incredibly wrong and puts women in danger the flip side of this is when i'm reading these examples of what toxic femininity is what i see here is that people might might let somebody else go home a bit early or they might say they've got pms when they haven't or you know for example <laughs> yeah. toxic femininity, Ooh, the oh, company's yeah, dreadful, gonna crumble right? 20 more minutes at home to have a cup of tea um what a monster <laughs> you know and i think this this is the problem <laughs> for me monster. is that when we're talking about toxic femininity, I guess the thing that I'm worried about, and I saw something years ago that really stuck with me, is this idea, and it happens all the time, when women sit down to eat with their family, they serve everybody else first, they give everybody yeah. else the nice portions, they pick out the best bits of food for their kids or for their partner, and what they tend to sit down with after everybody else has sat down is the smallest, most burnt, most shriveled bit of dinner, and that... I is, do that. To me, that's toxic femininity. I think what's toxic is when that happens to me and then I get mad at my partner for yeah, not doing the yeah. same thing for me. <laughs> that's the toxic yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I think this feels like this toxic femininity and how people are trying to, trying to nail it down feels like it's another part of the patriarchal system that's like demonizing women under a harsher lens I don't know it just doesn't sit it doesn't sit right with me at where it is yet but I yeah. do understand that we need to have more intellectual conversations about toxic femininity it's just starting to sort of reach all of our discourse now but I reckon that there is a toxic system in which we live yeah. where we have rigid femininity and rigid masculinity and that is the issue like the idea that femininity has certain bounds often which have been formed through a bit of a white supremacist lens and that we're stifling ourselves and shame each other for not fitting into that idea of femininity. But feminism is about choice, which is breaking away from these rigid patriarchal rules. I think if women are displaying toxic traits, then that's how she's learned to survive in, in an oppressive, misogynistic society. And if she shames others, then she's experiencing internalized misogyny. So I think we have definitions for these behaviors already. Uh, that's a good point. So I'm going to finish. I'm going to wrap this up with the words of Judith Ooh, yeah. Butler. Ooh, Judith Butler. Judith Butler, professor of rhetoric and comparative literature. Um, she said, these toxic traits are the result of a society in which people are expected to live in the gender binary and express gender in a certain way. This is why I'm a feminist. It benefits all genders, but also includes those who don't fit into the binary. We should encourage everyone to treat people with dignity, to honour the equality of the sexes, to accept gender diversity, and to oppose all forms of violence against people, whether young, old, or on the basis of their gender or sexuality. 100% agree. 
just nailed it there. We oh. didn't need to didn't need to have that discussion. She just yeah. <laughs> we fixed it. It's fine. All we needed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our second topic. We're going to talk about consent. So consent seems to have been a big topic both in the news and across the I'm With Her community over the last few weeks. Um, There's a couple of posts here that we think (laughs) sums up how we need to challenge the way that society has glorified coercion in relationships. Timo Nishio put out onto Twitter, sex with consent is only sex. There is no such thing as consensual sex or non-consensual sex. That is rape. Mm -hmm. There is sex or rape. Rape is not a type of sex. You wouldn't say breathing swimming or non-breathing swimming. You would say swimming or drowning. Yes. (laughs) Just made me laugh. Thank you, I know it's so serious, but (laughs) just the way that he summed it up made me laugh. I've got another one here from Witch Hunting. My teenage nephew told me he asked a girl out and she turned him down. I said, you know what to do now, right? He said, I know, I know, keep trying. And I said, no, leave her alone. She gave you an answer. He was shocked. No one had told him that before. Teach your boys. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, for obvious reasons, consent is... um... It's a big topic of mine. It's something I'm very passionate about. And I guess the first thing is consent. It just seems so simple, doesn't it? So why does it have so many so-called grey areas? You see, throughout my life, and I'm sure you probably have as well, I've had a lot of people, and I'm not going to lie, it's mostly women, they tell a story about an unfortunate or a surprise sexual experience. And mostly people downplay it. They'll make a joke of it or they'll recount it with a kind of resigned detachment. You know this happens. We've all heard these stories. Mm. And to be honest, we've probably even told one, which is why we need to talk about consent, all of us, right now. Arousal is not consent. Having sex with someone in the past doesn't give that person permission to have sex with you again in the future. That is not consent. Just because you didn't fight doesn't mean you consented. Consenting to other sexual activities is not permission for penetration. If you ask someone to wear a condom and they refuse or they take it off without your knowledge, you did not give consent to that sexual act. That is assault. You can only give consent when you are conscious. And just to be clear, you are also not conscious while you are asleep. You don't have to have sex to appease or comfort someone or be polite. That isn't consent, that's coercion. And you absolutely do not have to have sex with somebody because you're afraid they're going to hurt you. That's also not consent, that's coercion. And I know it sounds really obvious, but I get the feeling that lots of people hearing this will recognise some of these things from their own life. Yeah, and I absolutely love how you framed all of those points. What you're doing is making it very clear to people so that they know, so they can advocate for themselves. And I think that's really, really powerful. So, yes, there's been um, lots of discourse here in Australia uh, about consent because this year we had multiple allegations of rape within our own parliament. Yeah. Which, oh, it makes me sick. It, I mean, it sparked nationwide protests and lots of talks of consent. <clears throat> and then the government made a video. Yeah, Have you... <laughs> I watched it. I watched it last night and I literally screamed at YouTube. I screamed at YouTube. 
Take us I through it. Take us through it, Izzy. still believe that it's a farce. It's a joke. It's a satire of the government. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to try and explain what happens, but we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes if anyone's got five minutes of their life oh, to Oh, yeah, wait. you'll hate yourself and everyone else for five minutes, but it's really worth watching. <laughs> so, a man and a woman sitting next to each other, and she asks him if he wants to try her milkshake. He says, yes. She throws it in his face and says, drink it all. Right. Then a voiceover pops up and says... This is what we call moving the line. And I think it's a posh English accent. Yes, I, it was quite jarring which is because odd. there is like a posh English voiceover yeah. artist. And this in is an, an Australian, Australian government made yeah. ad. I was confused so, by that. Then she gaslights him by saying, it's just a game. And then a little diagram pops up showing the difference between forced pizza and being forced someone touching your butt. And then... This voiceover artist using words such as when a person imposes their will on you as if it were moving the line over the maybe zone. Okay, are you? Yeah, no, I mean this, this is, is literally. She's giving word for word here. I, I know it sounds yeah, batshit, I'm but she's absolutely it. right. That's just the first minute of this five-minute video, which, by the way, cost the government a whopping three point eight million dollar dues. Oh my god. Yeah, fucking hell. It just was so confusing. Question. So we don't need to... Why do you think yeah. that they chose to have the consent flipped around in terms of the what, what is the more common kind of gendered story? Why do you think it was a woman forcing it on a man? Why do you think they chose to do that? Or a girl I, forcing I, it on a boy? Yeah, I, that aggravated me the most because that was... I felt like it was made by men mm-hmm. who were feeling targeted by... There was a lot of pressure against men at this time and people were feeling very uncomfortable. And I think someone said, well, men, you know, are sexually assaulted too or well, you know, the, it works both ways. And no one's denying that. But the fact that they felt like it needed to be pushed out a point enough to switch the roles, yeah. the gender roles of the people that was pushing consent, I thought was a huge slap in the face. Yeah, and absolutely. It, the outpour of it was fucking huge, especially that all these women that were coming forward were women yeah and it was male perpetrators anyway so we signed petitions to get consent to be taught in schools because um that's like the the big conversation here at the moment like we need to be teaching kids from a very very young age about consent because Mm -hmm. consent isn't just about sex it can it's about everything in life it's just about a general everyday nice exchange not being a dick teaching kids (laughs) not to be a dick to other people yeah and i think teaching in schools is so important but also i mean i feel bad to do this we have to increase teacher training and i know that the teachers listening to this podcast will be going no not more (laughs) because they are already bowing under the weight of everything else that they have to teach and all the responsibility that they have to you know produce confident well-balanced consensual young human beings but I think that making it mandatory for boys and girls and all genders to be in a very inclusive manner and done age appropriately um, is really, really essential if society wants to move forward. So, yeah, I mean, you said, I think this is a quote from yourself, actually, Kaylee, that <laughs> anything that isn't an enthusiastic yes is a no. Exactly. Uh, consent is sexy, people. If you've not got that yes, it's not sexy. 
So obviously, I couldn't agree more about the importance of education. I'm the parent of two boys, Izzy, and I am really trying to find ways to talk to them about this um, that's appropriate for their age. You know, one of them is very young. Uh, one of them is just about to enter his kind of teenage years. So the way that I'm speaking to them about their own boundaries, their own safety, as well as, you know, people in the future that they may be interacting with in, in, on a relationship level... Um, I really, really strongly believe as a society, we need to have better discussions about consent. We need to have these at home. We need to have them in schools, as you've said, and we also need to have them in workplaces. We need to talk about consent. We need to talk about how to develop healthy relationships. Most importantly, children and teenagers need clear, consistent information on boundaries, consent and coercion. We need to fully embrace the fact that consent is an ongoing process between two people. It's specific to each and every activity. We need to make it clear that it can be given and retracted at any time. And it can only be given by somebody who is conscious and in a clear mindset. We know that consent means that both partners need to feel safe and comfortable. And it is not consent if pressure or coercion is used to get it. It's simple, really. We just need straightforward, honest conversations. What we don't need is fucking milkshakes. Here I'm with her. We tackle some hard-hitting stuff. So hold steady, because today's big topic is... Has COVID and lockdown changed the way that women wear bras forever? I want you to close your eyes, Izzy. You know that moment just after you've taken off your bra after a long, hot day, you unsnap those hooks, you release your breasts from their supportive yet restrictive bindings, your nipples tingle with the delight of finally being free. Yes, Izzy, hold that feeling in your mind. It's good. It's good, isn't it? Sure is. So for many of us, me included, the last 12 months has given me the chance to feel like that all the time because I've largely forgone all bra wearing around the house. And to be honest, when I do wear one, I've ditched the padded underwired pieces and I'm now just wearing sensible sports bras. So this topic, it started with this post on our Facebook page. Anyone too hot to even consider wearing a bra? I'm a feminist, but I won't not wear a bra for fear of being judged. Hashtag the guilty feminist. And the floodgates opened. What we found from our brief sociological study is that there is a real phenomenon going on here, people. Women all over the world are turning their backs on bras. <laughs> they sure are. I thought COVID was going to change a lot of things forever. Maybe people's perspectives, maybe saying no to things, you know, having <laughs> less social time, more time to relax. Uh, that hasn't fucking happened, has it? <laughs> no. I mean, I think people definitely had some sort of some breakthroughs if they were privileged and lucky enough to be in a safe, you know, consistent space with an income. Um, but after not wearing a bra and now having to go back into work, every time I do it, I put my bra on and I have to announce it to my boyfriend. Oh my god, I have to wear a bra today. Like I have to make him aware yeah, of the discomfort that I have to go That's through. Toxic femininity. <laughs> um and of course, you know, those who need to wear bra for surgical reasons or health reasons or just because they want to, that is fine. Um but I'd love to change society's expectations the fact that you have to. From the comments of the group, I could tell a lot of women are moving away from the push-up bras, the wire bras, you know, those really, really uncomfortable ones, which I think that I was obsessed with as a teenager because I thought that my boobs needed to be as high as my chin. 
Yeah, what yeah, were they called? Cute. Wonder Bras. Do you remember Wonder, Wonder Bras? Wonder Bras. That really famous advert, wasn't there, with the Hello Boys? And yeah, at 14, 15, I had everything was kind of hiked up to these two, like resting under my chin, two little tiny balloons. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But now, not wearing a bra. God, I love it. I love how they jiggle. I love seeing my <laughs> nipples hard. I like in the cold weather. It makes me feel alive and it makes me feel sensual too. So, oh, yeah. And, but I was thinking, oh, is it bad? Because I, you know, we were told as teenagers that it's bad for you. Maybe they'll sag quicker. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Maybe they you know, all this stuff like don't age. Do everything you can to not age as much as you can. Yes, look like a child. Look like, a, sure child. look like a child. With bolt on. A sexy child. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, um, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> Professor Jean-Dean Roulion conducted... I think, that was so French. Yeah, it was... You're welcome, Jean. Um, (laughs) Conducted a 15-year study into the effects of bras on breasts in that period of time. And he found that there were no benefits to bra wearing. And Mm -hmm. said medically, physiologically, and (laughs) Hang on a second. Anatomically. Medically. the French accent. (laughs) Medically, physiologically, anatomically the breast does not benefit from being deprived of gravity i managed to wear no bra to work the other day and you know what oh wow all the male colleagues managed to go the whole day without looking at my nipples what so for any men out there who reckon it's distracting for any women out there who think that it's too distracting uh it is possible to not perv on people when they don't want you to at work oh my goodness because okay because i think perving on people at work is unprofessional but we've all been told (laughs) we've all been told not wearing a bra at work is unprofessional yes that to me seems more unprofessional than not adding an extra layer of of fabric between your clothing and your breasts so one of our members said i think the beauty of feminism is the freedom of choice which i fucking love and i put that on our instagram page because it's such a great quote she said, I yeah. like to wear a bra sometimes because I want the girls up front and centre for my dress to look good. But sometimes I wear a sports bra because comfy. And I'm so happy that I ch- can choose without being hung or burned at the stake. <laughs> like, got a bit serious Quite at right. the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Took a dark turn, but, but um, she's right. <laughs> a lot of people did say that they didn't, they thought that they'd had, they had to wear a bra to work because it was professional and that was the professional thing to do and I understand it you know um but I can't help but think that concern and that comment is wrapped up in this whole oversight sexualization of women's bodies and you know I think there are quite a few men who wear t-shirts on hot sunny days where they're a bit see-through and their nipples poke through I don't think they get oh, hell the yeah. same. I see more men's nipples than I have women's. Yeah, you. exactly. I don't think they get the same amount of scrutiny. And I think that that's because men make the rules and men are the ones who sexualize women's breasts. So, um, you know, but I don't expect everyone just to walk into work without their bras on tomorrow. I get it. Uh, I too feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but I just think that idea of choice do whatever you want to do yeah. and that is okay um exactly feminism is not about tearing other women down for their choices it's about holding them up and supporting them oh like a bra. <laughs> like a bra. <laughs> that felt too perfect i think we'll end on uh hashtag free the nipple hashtag free the nipple free the nipple <laughs> all 
right, it is time for Confess Thursdays. For those who don't know what that is, every episode, Cal and I tell the world an uncomfortable truth about ourselves. So uh, we do this. You go. You tell them. You tell them why we do this, Cal. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you why we do this. We do this as a way of connecting to other women. We want to help people feel less alone, and we get to rid ourselves of the shame that women, especially, all too often carry around. Um, so this week, I'm going to go first. I can't uh, wait to hear this. There's oh, just one line here. He, There's just. Oh, <laughs> is he? I think my son might be a sexist. Mm, I have a three-year-old son, right? Um, and the other day, he was wearing a pair of my, like, comfy mum shoes, right? <laughs> and, and a kimono of mine that he found. <laughs> uh, and he floated, yeah, he floated into the kitchen. Uh, and in this voice, Ooh, I'm a mini mummy. <laughs> Sorry, you're a what? I'm a mini mummy. You're a mini mummy? Yes, he goes. And then he proceeded to trip around the house going, where's my makeup? Somebody do my hair. Give me some food. I want to do some cooking for everyone. And then, (gasps) and this is my favourite one, he then tapped his head and went, I've got a smaller brain because I'm a mummy. Oh, shit. Right? So two things one i don't wear makeup i don't wear heels i have always worked full time for the entire time that he's been around i am a strong positive female role model yeah and what he decided encapsulated women and especially mothers was tottering around in heels asking for makeup talking about their hair with smaller brains and i'm like where is he getting this from right so i went through a whole thing and i at the beginning of it and i I I tried, I really tried to laugh along. I really tried to be okay about it because I'm like, he's three years old. This isn't actually about me. Don't go all rabid feminist on your three-year-old. But actually, I have to say, I was quite hurt. I was quite hurt and I was quite disappointed. As I calmed down (laughs) afterwards, I I started to realise that actually he's not getting this from me he's getting this from television he's Mm. getting this from the characters in children's television shows that still very often show the mother character or the female character whether she's a fucking pig or she's a human or whoever she is if she is a mother character she is always very much like the toxic femininity thing she is always the one that's doing the cooking she's always the one that's the dad's an incompetent he can't do stuff around the house so the mum's always doing it she's always putting on makeup or putting on a dress or trying to look pretty Um, all of this stuff so I'm like I'm a strong outspoken woman and this is what you think of women and specifically this is what you think of mums and I'm just yeah gutted but how did you deal with it how did you explain to him or have you not yet so a couple of times I kind of so as I say I kind of went through the whole like laugh along with it because you don't want to be that person and then towards the end I sort of said is this what you think of mummy and he just sort of smiled at me and ran off so obviously we're not engaging with that conversation I should caveat this by saying I then mentioned this to my 10-year-old, nearly 11-year-old, uh, also a boy, and he just 
he snorted and he went, I'm sorry, mum, is Felix from the 1950s? And I was like, yes. So I've got to the older one, which means that I think what will happen is as as yes. he grows, I, he will continue to see that this isn't the model of, of, of womanhood or motherhood um, demonstrated by me mm. and my female friends who are mothers, none of which fit into the stupid, whatever this horrifying trope is. He will meet more interesting and exciting women. It'll be fine. And eventually he will emerge as a Leo at 11, thinking that this is ridiculous and antiquated. But, but yeah, I was, I was genuinely, I was really hurt. I was really hurt. And I've, I've, I'm embarrassed that a three-year-old hurt my feelings. Um, and I'm embarrassed that I blame myself for the fact that he has these really awful, awful views about women. No. <laughs> So my son's a sexist. Um, but I, I mean, I think that out of anybody that can hurt your feelings, it's your children. I think it's an interesting point to realise that your children are going to be exposed to other perspectives in the world that aren't yours. And yeah. it sort of becomes about how can you help them come to the conclusions that you want to support. <laughs> that not all women have tiny brains and totter around on their yeah, heels. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? Women are being perceived like that so obviously that a three-year-old can have a role model in their life that doesn't fit any of those stereotypes um, and yet still seems to have this conclusion. But yeah, if anybody anybody listening has any advice as to how I, I stop my three-year-old being sexist, please let me know because, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to handle it. I really well, don't. I'm quite embarrassed. He'll learn. He'll learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ban television from our house. We'll only read positive female role model books. <laughs> he did say that he loved vulvas the other day, so... He does love vulvas. So he's a sort of... He's a, he's a sexist that also embraces the, the female power centre. <laughs> so he's a, he's a man of two roles. He's finding himself. I've said very stupid things in my past uh, and a lot older than three. So I'm sure he can be forgiven. Yeah, me he's... too. I once told my dad that he looked horny in a photograph. <laughs> I didn't fully understand what horny meant. Uh, so yeah, about 11. And he shows he's showing me all these pictures of him when he was in the RAF uh, as a young man. And I was like, oh, daddy, you look really horny in this picture. <laughs> I just got a flashback to watching Four Weddings and a Funeral and the they say the word bonk in the show. Oh, and I yeah. remember going, what does bonk mean? And then this sex scene just appears on screen and they're just fucking oh, like rabbits. And my dying. dad was like, well, that. And I just remember dying <laughs> of like, oh. Um, but yes, I mean, I think I think he's three. He's got a long way to go. He'll be all right. I've I've seen him be very so. sweet and empathetic and lovely with you. So there's all the good bits in there as well. He's not a bad boy. <laughs> right. So come on. What's your confession today? Okay, my confession. The reason I wear so much black is because I sweat so much. And the reason I'm bringing this to the table today is because I've had a lot of conversations with people over the last few weeks where they're like, oh, where women have said, oh, I just run really hot. I know it's gross, isn't it? Like, and I was thinking, do all women just run hot? Do we just have this idea that women don't sweat and yet we all yeah, actually right? sweat? And so we all think that yeah. we all sweat more than the average person, but actually we just sweat the average person. Like... <laughs> I, I think you're I 100% think you're right and I think it comes back to all this stuff that we're talking about the idea that you know and it's and we said this in a previous podcast the idea that for example women don't fart or we yeah. don't poo or we don't sweat it's like we are living organisms we do all of these things we do all the things that men do in all the same yes. ways it, you know it may I just the idea that women don't sweat but yeah I'm exactly the same I am 
And I, for years, I was very embarrassed by it because I assumed that nobody else did sweat like this. Yeah. But no, women are sweating. I literally cannot wear grey uh, because I will have armpit immediately if it's a tight t-shirt immediately and it's really annoying because there's so many beautiful dresses that are all bright colors that I want to wear because I've been at people's weddings wearing a fabulous dress and everyone's like oh it looks so fabulous and I'm in the bathroom wrapping up squares of toilet paper to shove under my arm the moisture moisture yeah and then just stand there like this all night with my arms down by my sides um so that's miserable but I also think because I choose to remove my body hair. Um, I think that there's nothing to hold the sweat as well in the hair. So I will literally have beads of sweat falling down do you feel my the beads of sweat yeah i do like running down you're just like oh my god what's happening and i'm wearing deodorant or i'm wearing All antiperspirant or whatever and i can still feel the sweat yeah. running I, ha- I have this idea that one day when i'm on the red carpet and i want to wear this amazing dress and i'm getting photographed yeah. i'll have to get botox in my armpits to stop me from sweating i've literally thought yes, about it it's it? much detail well i don't you know. have put a lot of thought into them what's the dress like is it a nice i don't dress? know yet but i can wear any dress because i'm on the red carpet yes queen <laughs> and your botox your botox, <laughs> botox your armpits, so no one's going to be armpit. seeing your sweat patches <laughs> so no, but glamorous honestly this is a re- this is a real issue and again you know it goes back to this idea that women have to kind of they have to present as perfect they have to be clean they have to be feminine all of this stuff um when i worked i worked in a, a, a restaurant and a, a cocktail bar and a barista kind of coffee shop um when i was in my 20s and the waitresses all wore white and the baristas and cocktail people wore black right so i was a waitress there is more opportunity to make slightly more money as waitress i eventually begged my boss to move me into the coffee and cocktail side so I could wear a black shirt because I was so embarrassed about how big my sweat patches were on my white shirts. I literally changed the job I did because I was so embarrassed. At the, yeah, for less money, for the uh, the idea that people would see me and think I was disgusting. Yes, the idea of a picture coming up on like on a group photo or something like that with me with sweat patches fills me with cold oh. chills. Like it makes yeah. me sweat. Chills. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. yeah, I hate it. I don't know why. It's so much shame around it, but it is. And especially, I guess, with food, people think it's disgusting, but it's so normal. Again. Yeah. It's another bodily function that I am talking about. Yeah. It's not gross. It's, it's my body's normal. way of making sure that I don't overheat and, overheat die. and die. Sorry that I'm but not yeah, overheating so and dying. Overheat. If you want your chicken fricassee, <laughs> you're going to have to suck it up, mate. Thank you to everyone for listening. Don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button if you love our chats. But please also give us a review. We got our first five-star review this week and it was very exciting. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to do that. It meant the world to us. It's very exciting. I'm going to frame it. But if you want yours framed next to this one in my house, then get your five-star yeah. rating On the wall of, the wall of shame. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm.withher or come into the Facebook group. Or if you're more of a tweeter, we're now on Twitter. Yay! Uh, you can join us at I'm underscore with her. And uh, thank you. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Anything to add, Cal? No, I think that's it from me. Thank you so much for, for listening to this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, take care, everyone. We'll see you next Bye. week. Stay sweaty. <laughs> Bye.
This podcast has been recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We take inspiration from the rich history of storytelling within the cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and respect their endless resilience and strength.